Hi guys, welcome to the Hillfields Church Podcast, where we talk about God and have fun doing it. Today's entry is going to be a message from Rich titled, You Can't Miss This. So don't miss it. Let's get into the word. Um, okay, so it says, Exodus 3 verse 7 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezurites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Who's got their notebooks? Okay, we need to work on that one. Here's some notes. I'm going to give out some stuff to you today. Um, if you've got your notebook, write it down. If you're not, watch it back later and write it down then. Um, I, I just thought there's a few little lessons just in this one passage um, to start off with. Um, now, if I read through it again, it says, I, yeah, I, have surely seen the oppression of my, my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Okay, here you go. Doing something for God is pointless if he hasn't decided to involve himself. Yeah? We think Moses delivered, yeah, the people. We think Moses went out there and did it with God's help. No. God did it with a little help from Moses. And if God had said, I'm not coming down, nothing would happen. And sometimes we can get into a place where we pray to God, we feel like it might be God, but God's not coming on the journey with us. It's a waste of time. Even though he has asked for your input, your effort will be fruitless without God. Make sure when you start out on a journey with God, make sure that God is going with you. Make sure that God's involved in it. I put this, do yourself a favor and save some energy. Yeah, save it for the worship. Save some energy. Stop doing it in your own strength. Stop leaving God out. Make sure that he is involved. The other lesson that we can take from this is the beginning of any personal journey with God is usually personal to you. God tells you and asks you and you go and do it. So he speaks to Moses. He says, this is what's going on. I'm hearing the cry of my people. I need you to go on behalf of me and I want you to go and speak on behalf of me and I want you to tell the Pharaoh to let them go. I need you to go and do this. Is Moses there with a group of other people? Are they in a committee meeting? Are they making this decision together? No, it's just him and God. And when God speaks to you personally, when you have a personal relationship with God and he is talking to you about doing whatever it may be that he's asking you to do, it's usually going to be personal to you. It's going to be you and him in the room. And then you're going to come out of that room and then you're going to say, guess what God told me? And people are going to look at you and go, what? God asks you, he tells you, and you go and do it. But it's usually just you and God. And that's a difficult 
place to start out. Believing that God has spoken, but nobody else heard it. Anyone been there? Yeah, God spoke it. Nobody else heard it. Now you've got to relay the message. You've got to bring whatever it is that God is asking you to bring. You've got to do whatever God is asking you to do. So, okay, Moses goes to Egypt. He passes on the message to the Israelites. And then all the fun begins, yeah? All the stories that we all know. Now, he passes on the message, okay? He tells them, God's told me to come here to do this. This is what's going on. He passes on the message. Now, listen to this. Back in um, the first bit we read from the scripture, verse, uh, let's have a look, 8 maybe. Um, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of Egypt and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, that is a great vision. Does it not sound good? You know, I mean, I guess the equivalent would be to a land flowing with, like, coffee and, you know, what else? I don't know. Anything? What, bacon sandwiches? Something like that, yeah? Coffee and bacon sandwiches. I'd go. Yeah, I'm in. Something like that. So they're getting this flowing with milk and honey. Um, and whatever, you know, whatever, you could pick your own things in there. But, yeah, um, you're going to get a caramel latte. It's going to be every day. You know, it's there in the land. You know, you're hearing it, and you're like, yes, I like the sound of that. That's the vision. That's the destination. That's where they're heading. This is what Moses brings. He says, look, God's telling me that we're here. I'm I'm here to tell Pharaoh to let you go because God's got a great land for you, and it's flowing with milk and honey. Yeah? Now, when we get told things by God, sometimes we get a small glimmer of the end. Yeah? Not like Joseph did. He had a dream at the end of the story, yeah? It was at the beginning of his story, he had the dream, and then he went on this ridiculous journey, okay? But it was at the end. God sometimes gives you the destination, but he doesn't tell you how you're going to get there. And so what we do is we focus on, oh, milk and honey, milk and honey, it sounds good. And then, but the problem is, if we're so focused on the vision, what can happen is we get upset on the journey because it's not got milk and honey in it. It's not the big and vast land that God promised because we're still on the journey to get there. So he passes on the message to them. So they hear it. I'm in. You know, I hear it. Milk and honey. You had me at milk. I'm in. You know. Um, he then he then goes to Pharaoh, and he asks him kindly, "Will you let the people go?" And Pharaoh just laughs at him. He's like, "No, I will not." So <laughs> this isn't part of the plan. Moses spoke to a bush, yeah, and um, the bush said, "I've got a plan for you." And he says, I don't want to do it. And he tried to pass it on to everyone else he could first, but he still goes forward with it. He then actually gets to the place where he's got to then speak to the Israelites. He does that. He then speaks to uh, Pharaoh. He does that. He's done everything he's supposed to do. Yeah, he's gone. He's done it. He said, well, God, you told me to go and set the people free by telling Pharaoh to let the people go. I went to him, God. And guess what? He said no, which I was pretty sure was going to happen. But because you said, go and do it, I thought maybe there was a chance. Yeah? And maybe that's like with us. Like sometimes God tells us to go and do things, and then we go and do them, and it doesn't work out the way we want. And we think, but God, I always thought it was never going to work out. I just thought maybe because you said it, it may have changed. It may have been different. And this is what happens to Moses. So Moses is not only ignored, you know, he then makes it worse for the people he's supposed to be setting them free. Because what Pharaoh does, he says, right now, they're going to make bricks, basically, without the stuff that helps them make bricks. 
I don't know, like, he's like, I don't know what Pharaoh was thinking. He's like, I'm going to just make that hard, that job even harder now. It's going to be worse. They're not going to even be able to do what I'm asking them to do, which means they're going to get beaten for it. So he goes there and he makes it worse. He doesn't make it better. He doesn't get the answer he needs. And we read this in five, um, uh, Exodus 5.22. It says, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on these people? You know, I was just looking after the sheep. I was happy. You turned up with that whole bush thing. Okay. I didn't ask for the bush. I didn't ask you to, to, to come and join me. I was happy. I was sunbathing. I was, I was happy doing what I was doing. You're the, you came to me. You called me. Okay, I didn't call you. You called me. Okay, and now I'm here doing what you've told me to do. Why have you brought this trouble on these people? Why are we here? Why are we even here? Like, they were in a bad state, but now they're in a worse state. I've made it worse. Why ha- is it that you sent me? I'm pretty sure that I had a conversation with you, God, and I'm pretty sure I said, send anyone else. They will be better at this than me. I did make that clear. I did tell you this. And you still sent me, and it's really not worked out. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, like you asked me to, he has done evil to these people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. It's not got better, it's got worse. You haven't done what you said you would do. Here you go. If you've got your notepad. When you start something and make those initial steps into what you believe is God, it will not always go the way you thought it would. Be prepared for setbacks. Yeah, but God said it, yeah? But God's also teaching you on the journey. Be prepared for setbacks. Now think about this. God spoke, yeah? Moses did. Nothing happened. God will speak. You will do, and nothing will happen. I put in brackets the way you see it or thought it. So write that in your notepad if you got it. Because God speaks, we do, and according to the way we think our efforts should produce results, we see nothing happen. This is a crucial part of our journey with God. Not just seeing God's plan unfold, but this is a key lesson for all Christians in how we walk with him. Not everything you do, believing it is God, will produce results straight away or will show to be seen that something has happened or happening. We need to push through at this point. Remember why you're doing it. Remember why you started this journey in the first place. Not everything you do will look like something is happening or fruit of what you are doing will be seen. And this is where many Christians quit. Because we hear God, we do it, nothing happens, we give up. If you believed it was God, why did God change his mind? I'll tell you now, if it genuinely was God, he didn't. He's still waiting for you to carry on with the journey. So he told you, you did it, it didn't work out the way you thought. Does that mean it wasn't God? No, because God said, keep going. And you said, no, I quit. 
I'm out. And imagine how many Christians could affect this world if we didn't quit after the first setback. Imagine how many of us in our walks with God, if we hadn't quit at that first knockback, what God could have done. Or flip it, imagine what might not have happened if we had quit. Let's be positive. Imagine if you'd just given up. You know like when you became a Christian and someone said, come to Jesus, life will be great. Do you remember that one? It's going to be great. Life's going to be, it's going to be awesome. You're going to be immune to everything. Yeah? And then suddenly people get sick. You get sick. You lose money. Someone dumps you. You think, hang on a minute. I thought I was immune to all these things. And God said, that wasn't actually in the Bible. Someone just told you wrong. And you have your first setback in your walk with God. How many Christians, how many young Christians, how many people that hear the message of the gospel slightly wrong, but they come to the Lord because they've been told a little bit of a false gospel and they get in there and then it goes a bit hard. It gets a bit difficult and then they quit. Imagine how many people, this is what Jesus talks about, the seeds and how sometimes the enemy comes and he snatches it away or they can be blown by the wind. But imagine if we actually taught them to say, no, it's okay to have a setback, just push through. And you'll stand with God for the rest of your life. Imagine how many of us, that first setback that we had in our walk with God, if we quit. Imagine what could have not happened. Imagine whose lives couldn't have been affected. Praise God for you guys that are pushed through. This is the other one. People may not be in your corner. People may complain. They may discourage and they may upset you and they definitely won't believe what you believe. This is a tough one because if you do get have a conversation with God and it's just you and God, just like it was Moses and God, and then Moses has got to go as a messenger to a, a, a huge nation and he's got to speak to these people and say, look, I'm a messenger from God to tell you that God's got a plan and it's a good plan. And it's not going to be easy, but I, I, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I've got to go and tell Pharaoh to, to do a few things, but we're gonna, it's going to be okay. But no one believes you, and then that setback happens. And then what happens? People don't believe you even more than that. You know, I remember um, four or five years ago when we first started up the, the church change. Guess what happened when I, when I came in? The church didn't grow. It shrank. Do you know how much that made me feel? How big that made me feel? That big. I thought, wow, I'm really not very good at this. And I felt like God told me to do something, and I really feel like maybe I got it wrong. And that was a setback, because what I was looking at was what I saw in my eyes. I wasn't looking at what God was doing behind the scenes. And so we can quit. And don't believe me, I really wanted to quit. I did. I wanted to look at and think, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want people to hate me. Is that, what, is that what I've got to do? I've got people going to dislike me for loving Jesus? I don't understand. But it's true because the Bible says that's what happened. People will hate you because they hated him first. And I thought, wow, I didn't see, read that before I took this on. And I started finding all these little small prints in the Bible about actually what it looks like to walk with Jesus. And it says, count it joy when you fall into various trials. And I'm like, God, that's really not an encouraging scripture. Why is that written in there? You know, what, can we not, why is that there? And he said, well, that's the truth. And I realize those truths more and more as I've gone on. 
And it's hard because when, you're, when you haven't got people in your corner, when, you're, when you believe that God is telling you to do something and you just think, if I can just get the message across and everyone can believe what I believe and they can see what I can see, then this will work. It will work. It will work. Oh, look, it's working. It's here. But, it, but there were setbacks on the way. You know, this, what I see now, all these amazing faces, this, the praise and worship that we just experienced, was what I saw six years ago, what I believe God could do, but it didn't exist. So when I said God can do this, people were like, yeah, right, I'm out. And you ain't the one that's going to do it either. You're not good enough. You call yourself a pastor? I said, actually, I don't. I really don't. I really try not to. But that's what people said to me. People said these things and I was hurt and it was a setback. But thank praise God, he was stronger than I was. And I'm sure there's many people here that have gone through similar journeys. When people have spoke rubbish into your life, when people said you're not good enough, you're the one that doesn't measure up. Do you know someone told me once, they hate me. They hate me for standing up here. Someone spoke to me, they said, I hate that you're even up there. I said, why'd you even come to this church? (laughs) It's a true story. I was like, why'd you even come? If you hate me that much, because, and I was a bit, you know, I'm like it still. I was like, because I'm not going anywhere. Like, if you hate me that much, go somewhere else. Find someone that you like. It just doesn't make sense. But this is the stuff that comes. And even though I'm a bit like, well, yeah, whatever. I'm not like whatever. Because I go in and I think, oh, that hurt. And it's a setback. We don't want to not be liked. We don't want to be discouraged. But it comes. You can't miss this. You can't miss this. Moses has a number of setbacks, a number of rejections, and much more moaning to deal with, yeah? But now, it even makes even less sense, okay? So, the first bit is Moses goes, he asks Pharaoh, Pharaoh says no, okay? The Israelites get angry with him because he's like, they're like, why do you even bother coming? You've made it worse for us. He is a big setback straight away, okay? God spoke, Moses did, nothing happened, But now it gets even more weird because every time Moses now spoke to Pharaoh, God does something. Okay, so here's what happens. God spoke. Moses did. God moved. God did something. And nothing happened. In brackets, the way you see it or thought it. Yeah? Now it gets weirder because now God is moving. There's God did it. God said it. You did it. God backed it up. But still, the results you were expecting aren't happening. And this is a really interesting kind of stage for me. You know, um, for a time God spoke, like I just said, I did some moving, I did some stuff, nothing seemed to happen. No matter how much I willed it, I believed it, I spoke it, nothing really happened the way I thought it or saw it. Do you remember, Is anyone, I know there's a few people that are on our messenger group. Does anyone remember the messenger group like three years ago that was anyone on the messenger group? Does anyone remember it looking like rich, 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 rich? And what it, what it looks like is this. Hi, guys. Church Sunday, come along, be encouraged, invite a friend, you can do it. 
Nothing. Not even a prayer emoji. And this is a true story. Isn't it, Jess? Isn't it, Claire? Next message. Guess what? It's rich. Bible study Wednesday. Come on, guys. Let's get into the word. Bring your Bible with you. We can do this. Let's unlock what the word of God is saying. Guess what? Nothing. No emojis. Nothing. No matter how much I said it, no matter how much I willed it, no matter how much I believed it. I remember um, I did this recently. I put it out on Facebook, but about four or five years ago, I put all the chairs out. I was down here because I didn't have a life, and I just was down here on my own. I put all the chairs out, and I was because I felt like God was saying, put all the chairs out, put them in this direction because the church used to face this way. He said, put them in this direction, put out as many as you can. So I put out every chair that we had, um, and I felt like God was saying, I'm going to fill every single one of these chairs. And I sent that to the group. I said, guys, here's my message. God has said he's going to fill every single one of these chairs. Guess what? Got nothing back. They were like, that's nice, Rich. That's basically, you know, that's how it felt. It was like, all right, we'll believe it when we see it. No matter how much you will it, no matter how much you think it, no matter how much you say it, if it's you and God and God has told you it, you're on your own. But now... God has spoke, we do, God moves, and I've been feeling like, God, what's going on in all this? You're moving, things are happening, and um, you know that I had the bike up, I took it down, it's over there, because I kind of, I think I've got this wrong a little bit, because, and it's still kind of a bit right, because we will soon, that word soon is a bit of a disclaimer, but soon we will get to join in. But actually, I feel like God was challenging me and saying, well, what's wrong with what I'm doing right now? And I'm like, yeah, but Boris is, I want Boris to tell us that we're allowed out to play. <laughs> and he didn't do that. He delayed it. And, and I w- I've told everyone, I got the bike and everything, and I put it out on the stage, and I said, we're going to get to play soon, and we're all excited about playing. And, and now, Lord, that was, that's, that's what I thought you were going to do. Just like Moses thought when he spoke to Pharaoh that first time that it was all going to change, and they were just going to walk out. And it's challenged me a lot because I've been sitting, spending some time with God saying, well, what are you actually doing then? And he says, quite a lot, actually. And I'm like, but I can't see it. And I, and I, I can see it. I can see what God's doing in your lives. I can see what's happening in the collective. But it's still looking forward a bit. Um, looking ahead. I try to look ahead a bit. A bit like the land flowing with milk and honey. You know, I believe in revival. Did I tell you that? I think I'll tell you that. And um, I really do. And I believe that's the land flowing milk and honey for us, for me. That's what I see. So I'm like, God, what, you know, what's the revival thing going to come? You know, when are we going to get there, God? You know, I just uh, put here, I've been struggling these past two weeks with what is going on. Are we doing your will? What is your will going forward? Because I had a dream, I think from you, God, and I feel sometimes a million miles away from that at times. And you might be thinking, you're a crazy person because do you see what God's doing this morning? And I'm like, yeah, I do, and I love it. I really do. But I still want to make sure I'm in the will of God. Just because it sounds good, just because it looks good, just because the worship team are just, like, coming together and God is using them and it's incredible, it doesn't mean that, like, we're here. Like, we've got there. And thank you guys for bringing us worship this morning because the time and effort that goes in is incredible. And they're not just practicing songs. 
They're spending time in the spirit with the spirit of God and seeking him for it. But just because it looks good doesn't mean that's it. And I'm really conscious of not getting comfortable because we could come in this morning and be like, this is great. This is like heaven. How many times do we say that sometimes when we're in worship moments? It was like heaven this morning. Well, that's a pretty high bar. Like how we got to meet that every week? Is that what we've got to do? And I felt God was challenging me on this and actually rebuking me for missing what he was doing. You can't miss this. You know, almost like you're a kid at Christmas who's waited for the gift for so long. Has anyone got kids as well as a parent and you get this kid saying to you, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And you're like, okay, I will try and get it. If anyone's ever seen the film Jingle All The Way, that's probably what it's like for most parents around Christmas or birthday times. They travel around trying to get the one toy that your kid has picked that seems to be the kid that the, the toy that every kid in the world wants and there isn't any of them anywhere. And, but you find it somehow. You track it down. You travel to Ireland or something to go and get it. And, and you go there and you get it and you bring it back and then, you're, and then and you give it to them on the day and you're like, can't wait to see them open this gift. Not only have I gone on the journey to get it, but this is what they wanted. This is what they asked for three months ago when they saw it on that advert. And then you give it to them and they unwrap it. And they're like, oh, thanks, Dad. And they put it to the side. And you're like, no, you will take it out of the box right now. Take it out of the box right now. Just look at it at least. And they, and they basically, they do. They take it out of the box. And what do they do? Sit in the box. And you're like, if you just needed a box, if that's all you needed, you could have saved hundreds. And that's a bit like God, I think God is saying with me. He's like, I've given you this gift that you asked for, and now you've opened it, you don't want it. And don't get me wrong, I do want it. Sometimes I don't want it. There's some interesting times we have. God's like, I am moving. I am giving you these things. You're missing it. You're not enjoying the journey because you're so focused on the promise You're not enjoying and seeing what I'm doing right now because you're so focused on what you call revival as being the promise that you're missing the revival that's happening right in front of your face. And if you think about the Israelites, there were these amazing miracles of God pouring out um, justice over Egypt because Pharaoh kept on saying no. And then there's an incredible miracle of Pharaoh setting them free. That's a miracle, you know that. God had to do something. Something had to shift. This guy was not shifting. He was not changing his mind, and then he did. Then there's a pillar of fire and a pillar of clouds to protect them. Pretty awesome. Then there's the parting of the Red Sea. Then there's the destruction of the enemy. Then there's a provision of water in the desert when they're thirsty. Then the provision of food when they're hungry. And then God gives them an incredible leader to guide them through the word of God to show them how to live their life. 
God is providing. God is pouring out miracle after miracle. These are life-changing things that are happening, incredible things. All these miracles are provided for them. And because the promise of the promise of, of the promised land, the flowing, um, the land flowing with milk and honey is what they're heading towards, they're missing out on all these incredible things that God is doing along the way. And I feel like God has been saying, you're missing out too, because you're so focused on what's next, you're missing on what missing out on what's now. And maybe you need to hear this too. You can't miss this. That we're actually rejecting the dream in the that, that that dream revival. We're rejecting it by not accepting what is actually going on right now. We're not actually even probably even gonna get there, which some of these guys didn't get to see. They didn't get to have it because they missed out on what God was really doing it. God is moving and we are missing out on its beauty. I want to encourage you today. Do not wish away the present to reach the goal. Enjoy getting to the goal. Because actually what God is doing right now, if you look at it, and you don't look through your eyes, but you look through God's eyes, it's a beautiful thing. And if we don't, we'll miss it. And you can't miss this. You know, I was thinking last night as I was prepping some of this. It's like having a kid. My daughter was uh, 13 yesterday. And, um, but if you think about the upbringing of a child, you get pregnant, okay? And for some people, that can be quite tough. How to, you know, even getting pregnant can be tough. So it could be pre-pregnant, you know, the journey to get pregnant. And then you get pregnant. And then it's nine months of waiting, isn't it? And you wish... I just want to meet them. I just want to see them. I just, when are they going to come? And you, and you walk around a bit like this. Is that right? Like this. And, and uh, you're like, give me pickles. I need more pickles. You know, something like that. And I get it. I mean, I don't get it because I've never been pregnant. But I understand that actually but when, you, when, we, when you are pregnant, you know, there, there is that element of like this. I want this thing out. You know, this is, this is a, a burden for me. It's hot. You know, it's hot. It's, you know, I've I, I I got cravings for things I would never, ever eat. Like, who wants to eat anchovies, but I just want them, give them to me. You know, all these things. So there is an element of, like, push this on. But for any mother I've really ever spoken to, they love their pregnancy. But we're also wishing away those nine months as quickly as possible because we want to see the thing. Yeah? I want to see it. But actually, we're missing out on the journey of the pregnancy. And then they're born. And then we get them. And they're all this little wrinkly, tiny thing. And you're like, what do you do with it? Where's the instructions? Just to let you know if you haven't had kids yet, there are no instructions, okay? I'm sorry. And then you get it, and then you're like, okay, when will it talk? I want it to talk. Talk. Moo. Come on, say moo. That's Ben's first word, isn't it? Moo. And then I want it to talk, and then it talks, and you're like, I want it to shut up. I want it to stop talking. Why is it talking so much? And then you're like, oh, all the other kids his age are starting to walk. Our kid's a failure. He's not walking. He does this weird bum shuffle thing. 
I want him to walk. So we, I want him to walk. Walk. Come on. And then, it, and then they start walking. And you're like, I want him to stop walking. There's no gate that's strong enough. No one has made a gate good enough to keep this thing out. And they work it out. How do they know how to do these locks? I don't even know how to do these locks. How do they get to the bleach? Like, that was locked up with padlocks. And they're there and they're working these things out. But we're wishing away. We're wishing it away where I want them to walk. I want them to talk. I want them to, when will it feed itself? Because this is just tedious. They eat not even slightly what is in this jar, okay? And most of it's on me. And some of the stuff that does go in, it just comes out. When will they start changing themselves? When will they stop pooping? All these things. But actually, you know, and then, you know, the biggest one really for most parents, when will they start paying rent? But like I said, it was Grace's uh, 13th birthday yesterday. And, I, and I, um, we, were, we went to Chesington, so we were sat in one of the queues for one of the rides. And um, there was a point where she just sat on my knee. And I said, oh, I can do that thing I used to do with you, you know, when you were a toddler. You know, and she was like, no. I was like, come on, for old time's sake. You'll love it. No. And then she got up and walked off. And I think there's those moments like that where I was sat there and I was thinking, man, did I really appreciate when she wasn't mouthy? You know, when she was quiet, when I could actually pick her up whether she wanted to sit on my lap or not and put her there and I could do the thing I wanted to do. Did I really appreciate those moments when I had them? Are we really paying attention to the moments that we have? Or did we just wish them away because we wanted them to grow up a bit and we wanted to get there? But you can't miss this. God speaks, we do, God moves. Now you need to edit your note if you already wrote down nothing happens. Because God speaks, we do, God moves, everything happens when God starts moving. Even when it doesn't look like it. When God is moving, things are happening. But what are we missing? There was the pining of the Red Seas, the pillar of fire, these extreme miracles that were happening. And maybe we don't have those crazy kind of things happen today to us, but there's still things going on, miracles that are happening all the time. I felt like God was saying this. It's not about the size of the miracle. It's what the miracle and the move of God shows you. It's not about how big it is or how small it is. It's about what was the purpose of it. And if you grab hold of nothing else from this message today, it has to be this. I don't think that God is bothered that we missed the miracle. I think he's bothered that we missed the reason for the miracle. I'll explain it. Why did God do these things for the Israelites? Was it to show off? Was it because he can? You know, like, God can be like, well, you know, Egypt's messing about with my people. I'm going to just show, who's, show him who's boss. Is that really the main motivation of why God did it? 
Is it just because he can? Well, I can. Have, a, have another plague and another one. No. Is that why he did it? Was he, was he just doing it because he's God and he can? Was it just to make Moses feel better about his doubt? Oh, he did try. He did go, didn't he? He did speak to the Pharaoh. And, he, and you know, he did his best. Oh, do you know what? I'll back him up with some plagues. Did he do it just to make Moses feel better about his doubt? About his fear? To make the Israelites really see? Was it that? Was it just to shut people up? You know, when people are moaning, where's my food? Where's my water? There's a big sea in front of us. They're behind us. They're going to kill us. What are you going to do? And he's just like, okay, I'll just part the sea. Show you. Go on, go through. Is that, was that why he did it? Was he just trying to shut up the moaners? The answer is none of it. None of the above. The reason why God did all of those miracles is the same reason he does mostly everything. The reason is you. Is you. He negotiates on your behalf for people to let you go, for addictions to let you go. Do you know he's praying for his people right now? He is negotiating all the time. He is praying, just like Moses was going in. Just like he sent Moses as a negotiator, he is doing that for us right now so that you can be set free. Why? Because he loves you. He hears the cry of your heart and he moves on it just like he did with the Israelites. Why? Because he loves you. He put a plan in place to cover you in the blood of the lamb so that death would pass over you because he loves you. He sees that you're surrounded by the enemy at times with no way out, so he makes a way where there is no way because he loves you. When you are in need of teaching and encouragement through the word of God, he will send someone to you or he'll send you somewhere where you can get it. Why? Because he loves you. These miracles, one after the other, are simply because he loves you. When you're in need of provision, he provides, not always in the way you want, not always in the timing that you want, but he does it nonetheless because he loves you. He doesn't, just like I want him to, but he does not just transport us to the finish line because he loves us. And it's in the journey that we go on with him that we get to connect with him, that we get to have a relationship with him, and that we get to see how much he loves us. And you can't miss this. You can't miss it. Because this is why God is doing what he's doing. And for me, when I started preparing this, I felt, okay, God, I'm missing it. I'm missing it because I'm focused too far ahead. I'm thinking about the way I think it should work. And I'm missing just how much you actually really love me. And you're doing all of these things because you love me and because he loves you. And he's moving in your lives because he loves you. And he's providing for you because he loves you. And he's setting you free because he loves you. And he hears your cries and he comforts you because he loves you. And these are the miracles that we can miss. These are the things that we don't see because we want the end product. We want the, the finished article and it does not work that way. So I want to encourage you this morning. Don't be like Rich. Yeah? Don't miss it. Because you can't miss it. 
Because if you miss it, you're missing the main part of the message. You're missing what it's all about. And that is that he loves you. Every miracle, every plague was because he loves his people. He was moving to set them free. And he was setting up a plan to cover them in the blood of the Lamb, to set them free, just like he's done for me and you, because he loves us. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in to the message today. We hope you've been encouraged or challenged. And if you have, please contact us at hillfieldschurch.org. And while you're here, please check out our very first song by Hillfields Worship called The Shepherd.